Well, sacrifice is a powerful thing, isn't it? Uh, when someone sacrifices something for you, it stands out. It's, it's etched in your memory. It probably wouldn't take long for you to think of, of a time when someone sacrificed something in their life in order to bring something into yours. There's a number of occasions in my life that's been done for me, but one stood out in particular as I was preparing for this message. Before I tell you about that sacrifice, though, I do want to introduce myself to anybody who's new today. My name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here, and for everyone here, uh, both in the audience and anybody who's joining us on video somewhere, just so glad that you are here. Well, I don't know if you had any family traditions when you were growing up, but my favorite, favorite family tradition was Saturday night supper. Because every Saturday night, almost without fail, we had hamburgers and french fries for supper. But not just any old french fries. My mom would peel and slice potatoes and then fry her homemade french fries in a fryer. They are delicious. She is literally well known around the country among our circle of family and friends for her french fries. And they weren't just any burgers either. They were beautifully cooked every time on a grill. And then my mom, as only in her servanthood that she could do, she's such a servant, she would prepare every person's hamburger bun exactly the way they wanted to eat their burger. And so she knew how my dad liked his burger, my twin brother, myself, my sister. And she would prepare every single bun exactly the way we wanted it. And yes, we were that spoiled. Well, on this particular Saturday night, I was maybe 10, 11, 12 years old, the, the smell of french fries filled the house, the aroma of the grill was rolling through uh, the air. My mom called us to the table for, for supper. We all arrived and something was different about this. Something stood out. Everybody had their hamburger bun prepared except for my mom. There was nothing on her plate. Now, this is a random piece of information, but it's important to the end of the story. So you, you need to know that for us three good pastor's kids, my parents discouraged us from using certain words, not just vulgar or, or curse words, but they didn't want us to use words like but in referencing our backside. They want us to use more what they deemed more appropriate words like bottom or the things you put a hamburger on which was so clearly missing from my mom's plate. So my mom informed the family that she only had enough for everyone else to have one of those, that she would not be having one that evening, to which my twin brother very sincerely made a statement that because of the words we were encouraged to use sent us three pastor's kids into hysteria, my twin brother very sincerely said to my mom, Mom, thanks for sacrificing your buns for the family. And all I know is, as a preteen boy, I locked on to that, and I have not let it go ever since. I'm 44 years old now, and I still, to this day, whenever I see my parents, like this last Friday night, we were over uh, to, to see them, I, I still thank my mom every time. Thank you, mom, for sacrificing your buns for the family. Someone's thinking, where in the world is he going with this? I brought a friend for the very first time. He's a 
up there talking about his mom's buns. This is so weird. Like, what's happening right now? This is proof, by the way, that the preteen boy might become a man, but you'll never get the preteen boy out of the man. Can I get a witness up in here from some other immature men in the room or the women who love them? They would agree with that as well. Uh, Here's the thing. That's that's a fond, even funny memory I have in my life, but it's not the memory I want to focus on. It's the principle that's in it, and there is a principle in it that does have a point. Uh, The principle is this. Because my mom was willing to sacrifice something in her life, hamburger buns, she was able to bring us something into ours. And it's this idea of a sacrifice that I think all of us need to make that I want to focus on today uh, as we're in week number two of a summer-long sermon series we are simply calling Glory. In this summer-long series, we are walking through the last five chapters of the book of Romans, and then we're breaking it down, breaking it down into three different parts. Beware, my inner rapper might come out today. So in part one, which we are in right now, we're talking about how the glory of God changes us. Last week, we focused on the theme verse for the series. If you weren't here last week and you want to get caught up, you can go to our website, elementchurch.life, and you can get caught up on all of our sermons on there, anything that you've missed. The theme verse is Romans 11, verse 36. It's on the screens. It says this, for everything comes from him, that's God, and exists by his power and is intended for his Glory, help me out and say glory. Glory. All glory to him, to God forever, amen. Isn't that an awesome verse? So good. That, That you and me, every person, everything that exists in the heavens or on the earth, it all comes from God, we exist by his power, and we are intended for his glory. That's true whether you believe in God or not, by the way. It's true whether you believe in him or not. And if you're here today and you you don't believe in God, I will not hide the fact. It's my ultimate desire as a church that we would lead you to a place where you do believe in God, where you do bring him glory with your life. But even if if you never choose to believe in God, please know you are loved here and you are welcome here. And the good news is, is this, in this message, you're gonna learn the best way to give God glory. That today, at least you'll know, if you do choose to believe in God, if you do choose to put your faith in God through Jesus, this is what is expected of us who say we believe. And it all comes back to this idea of sacrifice where we started. It's the big idea for today, it's on the screens if you wanna write it down, it's this. The greatest way to bring God glory requires the greatest sacrifice I can make. The greatest way to bring God glory requires the greatest sacrifice I can make, which we have to then ask this big question, what do I sacrifice for God's glory? If sacrifice leads to glory, what do I sacrifice for God's glory? Main scripture is Romans 12, 1 and 2. Next week we'll be in Romans 12, 3 through 13. So if you want to plan ahead for next week and write that down, Romans 12, 3 through 13 will be the text for next week's 
message. Romans is in the New Testament portion of the Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, you can follow along on the screens. If you don't own a Bible today, please, please don't leave without one. We'll give you one for free. We want you to have a Bible. And so ask for one out in the, in the lobby before you go. We'll get you a Bible. Romans is written by a man named Paul. We call him in Christianity the Apostle Paul. But he wasn't always a, a, an apostle. In fact, before he put his faith in Jesus, he was the leader of a movement to arrest, torture, imprison, even kill anyone who believed in Jesus. He was the skeptic of all skeptics when it came to Jesus. But after putting his faith in Christ, he would become perhaps outside of Jesus, the most influential person in Christian history. Paul's writing Romans. He says this, Romans 12, starting in verse one, says this. And so, and I'm going to stop there. I promise I won't stop every two words. Somebody's thinking this will take forever if he does this every two words. I'm not going to do that. It's just these two words are so important in our main scripture today. If you're reading from perhaps the New International Version or other English translations, Almost every other English translation, we're using the New Living here, almost every other one does not use the word and so, it uses the word therefore. And whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, do you know what you're supposed to do? Find out what it's there for. The jokes only go down from here, gang. Like we are at the pinnacle of the funny part of the message, all right? So it only goes downhill. In all seriousness, the, the phrase therefore, or and so, it links the previous phrase to the next one, to the next, the previous section to the next one. And I believe not only is, is this and so in our scripture, not only is this tied to the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans, I believe it is directly linked to verse 36, and it sets up the rest of the five chapters we're looking at in the series. We, we tend to forget that the Bible was not originally written with verse numbers and chapter numbers. It's not how it was written. The, like Romans and other books of the Bible, they were, they were written as letters. So th this letter was written by Paul to Christians in Rome. When you write letters, you don't put verse numbers and chapter headings. If you do, you're super weird. That's awesome, but you're super weird, right? Like there were no chapters or verses. There, there were no section headings like we have now. Those were all added later to help us find things easier, to, to chunk things together by theme or subject, to navigate it easier. So the people who were originally reading this letter, the ones who received it, and then as they circulated the letter to other churches in, in the region, when they, they would have read these two verses, Romans 11.36 and 12.1, as a continuing thought. There was no verse number to break it up. So it, it would have looked more like this on the screens. For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. And the thought continues. And so, or therefore, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. That's powerful, isn't it? 
that because everything comes from God and is intended for his glory, that, that because God made the ultimate sacrifice of sending his son Jesus to die in our place, paying the penalty for our sins, which really is what the majority of the first 11 chapters of Romans is all about, this amazing sacrifice that Jesus made for us and what that means for what we should believe theologically. In light of all of that, I'm begging you, Paul said. Give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The greatest way to bring God glory requires the greatest sacrifice I can make. So what do I sacrifice to bring God glory? It's not money, it's not possessions, it's not time. Number one is this. I sacrifice my body. I sacrifice my body. Paul says, because we are intended to bring God glory, I plead with you, give your bodies to God. This means exactly what it says, by the way, that we are to offer our bodies to God as a living and holy sacrifice. A little history lesson here might be helpful, so bear with me. In the book of Leviticus, in the Old Testament portion of the Bible, when God was establishing the, the laws for his people, the, the Jewish people, he instituted what is called the sacrificial system. And whether it was a sacrifice for sin or thanks or, or praise, there was a common thread among all animal sacrifices that, that these sacrifices were only considered acceptable or pleasing to God if they were slain on the altar, killed, and then used up or burned up completely, that nothing was to remain of the animal. It was to be entirely consumed by the Lord or entirely used for the Lord. This was common knowledge among the people of Paul's day, even if they weren't Jewish, they would have known this about the sacrifices. So when Paul said that we should offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, he was hearkening back to that mental imagery of the book of Leviticus and the sacrificial system. That, that the mental image the readers would have had is, is my entire body, every part sacrificed, and completely burned up or used up for God's glory. So what does this mean then for us? Well, as opposed to the dead sacrifices of animals that were offered up every day in the temple, we are to offer up our bodies as living sacrifices to God every day for his glory. So just the mental shift from dead sacrifice to living sacrifice. We are literally to give our bodies to God. Let me illustrate this. I want to introduce you to a special friend of mine. His name is Christian, so everybody can bring him out. Very welcome, Christian, to the stage, please. Everybody welcome, Christian. Yep. Uh, Christian is not the human being. Christian is the potato head. 
He is a Mr. Potato Head. Yes, I am going to play with toys on the platform today. Deal with it, all right, deal with it. Christian represents a version of Christianity I think a lot of times we so easily live in. I like to call this version of Christianity, this version of our faith, Mr. Potato Head or Potato Head Christianity. Because we very easily in our faith say things like this. God, I give you my life, but we don't really, at least not all of it. We, we, we don't give God all of our bodies. We again say things like, God, I give you my life, except for my eyes. You, I'm not ready to sacrifice my eyes to you, and really you have no business, God, knowing what I look at anyway, even though you're omnipresent. So I'll keep my eyes over here, and, and I'm not really ready to give you my hands, God. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna take my hands, and I'm, I wanna be in charge of those, so I'm gonna put my hands uh, over here, and I'm definitely not ready to sacrifice my mouth yet. I, um, what, I, what I say is not that pleasing to you, so I'm gonna, I'm, gonna leave that, I'm gonna leave that over here. And so God, I give you my life. That's what a lot of us look like spiritually, by the way. Partially surrendered to God. Or, or we're masters at something else in the church. Because among Christians, we want everyone else to think we have it all together. We want everyone else to think we've sacrificed our bodies to God. And so we become masters at, do, at doing this. Um, we, we put on our, our public eyes that everyone else can see and knows what we look at, but we're gonna, we're gonna keep our, our private eyes over here because I don't want anybody else knowing what I look at with, with my eyes. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my church mouth on when I'm at church, like God is good all the time, all the time, God is good, brother, hashtag blessed right there. But I'm gonna, right? I'm gonna keep my, my community mouth over here, the way I, I talk when I'm around my friends when I'm at work. I got, that's different than the way I use words when I'm in, in church. Oh man, we're gonna, I'm gonna put my worship hands on. It is time to get my worship on. It is Sunday, and so I'm gonna put my hands up in the air and wave them around like I just don't care. It's time to get my worship, I got my worship hands here. I'm, I'm gonna keep my work hands over here, or I'm gonna keep my dating hands over here. Hello. I love what Paul said. Paul said, when we offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice, that is truly the way to worship him. Because the reality is, I can come here on Sunday and raise my hands in singing. I can raise my hands for a thousand years while I sing and never once truly worship. I can sing a thousand songs, cry a thousand tears, and feel 10,000 goosebumps and not have one ounce of worship in me. And listen, I'm not against those things. I am, I, am, I am for expressing ourselves in worship. I think we should do that. I'm just saying the reality is true worship is not singing. It's sacrificing my body to God. 
And then with my sacrificed body, I now am fully able to offer up a sacrifice of praise through singing. That when I come on Sunday and sing, my worship through singing on Sunday should be an outpouring of the sacrifice I made with my body every single day that week. That when we worship on Sunday, that should be the topper on the worship I gave to God every day by offering him my body. A living and holy sacrifice. I surrender my body to you. Just like the Old Testament sacrifice Paul was referring to, all of me, every part, consumed by and used up for God's glory. The greatest way to bring God glory requires the greatest sacrifice I can make. So what do I sacrifice to bring God glory? I sacrifice my body. You can go ahead and come get Christian from us. (laughs) Romans 12, the first part of verse two, then says this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So the second thing I sacrifice for God's glory is this. I sacrifice my behavior. And I've, I've been preaching, but now I'm going to go to meddling. Okay? <laughs> so get ready. Paul, in another letter, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this about becoming new. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, anyone who's given God their body, has become a what? A new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Joseph Benson, in his commentary on that verse, says this about the new person in Christ. All old principles and practices are gone. The present visible change is undeniable. They have a new life. Their whole tenor of action and conversation is new, and they live, as it were, in a new world. A whole new world. For you Aladdin fans out there. (laughs) The present visible change of the person made new in Christ is undeniable, he said. Their whole tenor of action and conversation is new. Wow. I want to be very clear here, but also very, very careful. It's super easy in a moment like this with a verse like this for us to slip into legalism in our faith, and I don't want to do that. However, as a pastor, I get very concerned when I look at the lives of so many people who claim to be new creations, yet their life doesn't seem to be new. It's the same. And if we're honest, just simply as human beings, if we're honest, When we look at the lives 
of normal, everyday, professing Christians in America, and then compare that to the lives of the rest of the world, those who say they don't believe, there's not a lot of difference today. There's just not. And please, please hear me. In no way am I saying that we need to live a certain way in order to become a Christian. That's not what I'm saying. I, I cannot work myself into being a new creation, but, but, because I am a new creation in Christ Jesus, there should be a difference in the way I live my life. My life should be different because of Jesus. That the things I pursue, the things I do, the things I engage myself in, that should be different. As Benson said, the present visible change should be undeniable in the life of the believer. I sacrifice my behavior to God. Why? Because everything comes from him exists by his power and is intended for his glory, all glory forever to him. I surrender my behavior and I will align my behavior with your will. Why? Because I'm supposed to bring you glory. And so I sacrifice that part of my life. The glory of God when it's experienced in our hearts, it changes us. It changes us. That when you experience God's glory, truly experience it, you can't help but be changed. The greatest way to bring God glory requires the greatest sacrifice I can make. So what do I sacrifice to bring God glory? I sacrifice my body, which leads right into the next thing, my behavior, and then the last part of verse two says this, then, I mean literally, when you sacrifice your body and when you sacrifice your behavior, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The last thing I sacrifice to bring God glory, number three is this, I sacrifice my becoming. I sacrifice my becoming. Paul said, then you will learn to know God's will. I love that word learn. It's encouraging to me because it means there is a process to our change. There's a process to knowing God's will, that God's will is not just something that, that you are given, at least not all of it at one time. It's something you grow in. So often I, I hear people say, we, 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 all, we wanna know, what's God's will for my life? I hear that all the time in the church. So I'm just gonna challenge us with something today. I've challenged us with this before, but it's good to remember. And here's my challenge. We should, as Christians, stop concerning ourselves with God's will for our entire life and start consuming ourselves with God's will for each day. To sacrifice your becoming. Because here's the reality. Who you're going to be 10 years from now 
is a direct result of who you choose to be and how you choose to live today. It affects that. So do the part of God's will today that you already know you should do. And and the beautiful part is, if, if I do God's will for my today, and then I do it again tomorrow, and I do it again the next day and the next and the next one after that. If you extrapolate that out, by the end of my life, guess what I have done? I have lived out God's will for my entire life by simply living out his will each day. Every day. Surrendering my becoming to the Lord. After I've sacrificed my body, after I've sacrificed my behavior, I sacrifice my becoming. I learn to know God's will for me, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And the reality is, most of us Christians, we know, we already know way more of God's will than we are willing to obey already. So why would God reveal to us any more of his will when we're not willing to live out the part of his will we already know? So surrender your becoming. The greatest way to bring God glory requires the greatest sacrifice I can make. So what do I sacrifice to bring God glory? My body, all of it burned up, used up completely for him. My behavior, I'll align myself with your will expressed in your word and my becoming that each day, simply doing today the will of God that I already know. And the very first part of God's will, by the way, for everyone is exactly the same. The very first part. That that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you have believed, no matter where you've come from, God's, the first part of God's will for you is the first part it is for me. It's exactly the same. And it's found in another letter that Paul wrote, 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4 says this. This is good. And pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. It is God's will for you to be saved. And what does that mean to be saved? It means this, that all of us have sinned. Our sin separates us for eternity from a holy God. And without someone paying the price for those sins, we will forever be separated from God, but God loved us so much, he sent Jesus to the earth to pay the price for our sins. He died in our place. He rose from the dead. And now by faith in Jesus, God in the flesh, my sins can be forgiven, my heart set free, my life filled with the power of the Spirit so I can live according to his will. And one day I will forever be in heaven with Jesus, that's what it means to be saved. And it's the first part of God's will for everyone in this room. So here's what I wanna do today. I'm just gonna ask you just to bow your heads, close your eyes, just 
in some reflection. And I want to start with this. There's some people here. You're a Christian. You've already put your faith in Christ. Your sins have been forgiven. You are on your way to heaven. But this message, this scripture, the Holy Spirit during this time has shined a light on an area of your life that you have yet to surrender. Maybe it's a part of your body you've been holding back or a behavior you have not let go of or just that simple becoming who God wants, whatever it is, I don't know what it is. And I'm not asking this in a trivial way. If that's you, you're a Christian, but there is something that you have yet to sacrifice that God is is shining his light on and you wanna signify in this moment that you are seriously giving this up to the Lord, surrendering. I want you to just lift your hand up right where you are and say, that's me, I'm right now. God's shining his light on something. I'm sacrificing it in this moment right now. Lots and lots and lots of hands. God, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that those hands that went up, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, would you invade those dark parts of their life and redeem it for your good. Lord, would you fill up their hearts with your Holy Spirit and Lord, those individual specific areas of sacrifice. I pray you would receive glory from that and I pray, Lord, that you would change those parts of their lives in this moment, we pray in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here today and you've never even started to give God glory with that first sacrifice of faith in Jesus. Make no mistake about it. Jesus knew you would be here today. He designed this service with you in mind. He knew you'd be right here in this moment with a chance to put your faith in him. And he loved you so much, he died about 2,000 years ago to make it happen. So if that's you, you wanna put your faith in Christ today for the very first time, I want you to express your heart to God in faith by saying these words, just silently repeat these words in your heart to God. Father in heaven, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died for my sins and he rose from the dead. So Jesus, all my sin, I give it to you. Please forgive me of my sins, wash me clean, make me new. I'm turning, I'm repenting from my old life and I will follow you by the power of your spirit in a new life that only you can give. I receive from you salvation. And when I fall, when I sin, Jesus, help me get back up again and follow you, confess my sins to you. Thank you for loving me. I will do my best to love you back. In Jesus' name, amen.